0: What is happening, everyone? Welcome back into the Fantasy Stock Exchange. If you're wondering who the guy to my left or right is, I can't tell which side he's actually on. This is Nick. He will be joining me on Mondays for this show uh, here and now known as Black Monday. Uh, Nick, why don't you introduce yourself to the people?
1: Yeah, what's up, guys? Uh, Like you said, my name's Nick. I've been playing Fantasy for a lot of years. Uh, They took me on here at the Fantasy Stock Exchange. And uh, yeah, play a lot of Dynasty, Redraft, and uh, getting ready to take on DFS uh, this year with you guys as well. So, stoked to be here.
0: Yeah. So, in, in season, once the season starts, this is an off-season thing that we're going to be running. But in season, me and Nick will be hosting a DFS show. It'll probably be on Fridays or Saturdays, whatever day is kind of closest. And I believe you're also writing an article for that, correct? Uh, yep. Correct. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, we got a pretty cool um, uh, show where we're going over here today. Um we're probably going to touch on this more close to the season as well. Like once drafts start kicking off, but we're going to talk about our favorite um, redraft strategies that we use. And when I say strategies, I mean, they can't, they're not all applied to every situation. You got to obviously know your league. Certain leagues are going to have different intricacies and whatnot. But uh, from my experience, the three that I have, at least they, they're pretty universal at least. And they've, they've come to work. They're not like set in stone. Like you have to draft, a running back and one, one round receiver and another, it's just kind of guidelines that I try and stick to myself. So, um, without, uh, without further ado here, I'm going to get into my uh, first strategy that I try and uh, roll with, and that would be not to load up on rookies. So what I mean by that is rookie running back specifically. Since, Since we're talking redraft, uh, rookie receivers are generally, it's kind of understood that they don't tend to produce, uh, right away. They might take some time to develop and whatnot. Um, so rookie running backs are a lot a big topic of discussion in redraft leagues because they're usually at, they come at a discount for a reason. It's because they're rookies and people don't know how how good they are yet. Um, just think about the past two years: Sony Michelle, Ronald Jones, Royce Freeman, Rashad Penny, Carryon Johnson. That was 2018. Those were the like first two and three round pick rookies that were going relatively high in fantasy drafts. Last year was D- uh, David Montgomery, Miles Sanders, Daryl Henderson, Devin Singletary, and Josh Jacobs. And obviously in 2018 there was Barkley too, but he doesn't really count because he was like a superstar coming out of school. Um and all of these guys, they they took a couple of weeks if not longer to develop um despite being like top 4 round picks in redraft leagues. Um so what I've noticed and what I've actually fallen victim to in the past is we kind of just we pick these guys in like the 3rd round and we kind of just expect them to produce right away when that's not usually the case. Most of the time, especially if they weren't first round picks, they're battling with a veteran running back and um, veteran running backs tend to get favored by coaches for no particular reason, except for usually they're better in pass protection or whatever the case might be. Um, So my, my suggestion and what I've always done is if you're going to invest heavily in rookie running backs, uh, you need to pair them with veterans that are safe to start the year. So um, you don't want to assume that by week six, that your team is going to be elite because you need to win the first five weeks of the season still. So, uh, and, and it's important if you lose four straight games because you have rookie running backs and you're not producing, that's a big deal. That might be the difference between you making the playoffs and missing the playoffs. So here's, here's just a couple guys that I would, I would pair with uh, this year. Uh, if you paired a guy like, let's say Clyde Edwards helaire who's, who potentially might not start right away because he's ba- uh, battling with Damian Williams. If you grab a guy like Jordan Howard, Matt Breida, carry on Johnson, David, uh, David Montgomery, Sony, Michelle, Mark Ingram, like these kind of guys, you can start slash flex them until guys like Dobbins, Swift, Edward Solaire, JT, Akers, uh, take over their respective backfields.
1: Yeah, I mean, I completely agree with the, pretty much everything you said. When you start to think about it, uh, you go back, and uh, Josh Jacobs is fresh on the mind because he went round one. So you think, oh, yeah, last year we had a rookie running back that worked out. You know, he got a lot of touches, even without catching the ball. You know, he finished as a – you know, one of the top running backs. But the reality is when you look down, like Sanders never commanded uh, the full backfield.
0: I drafted Uh, him in the sixth round too. So I remember I I wasn't able to use him. Like I didn't feel good about starting him for like probably pretty much until Jordan Howard went down, which was like pretty late in the season. If he was like your second or third running back, you might've taken a couple losses up until that point.
1: Yeah. I had the same experience. I love Sanders as a prospect. I think he's an awesome player. Uh, I even, I love the fit with the Eagles off the bat, but yeah, I, I never felt comfortable starting the guy. Cause it's like one week, you know, how many touches can to get? Six, seven, maybe 15 one week. Uh, yeah, you can't feel confident with that.
0: Yeah. So if you want to, uh, uh, go into one of yours, I know that one thing I actually wanted to touch on real quickly was with, I, I, I do want to clarify, this is redraft. I love rookie running backs in dynasty. Mm-hmm. I think they're some of the easiest assets to acquire because, rookie running backs are so valuable in dynasty, especially if they were like high picks like Edward Solari was and Josh Jacobs and stuff, because you pretty much know what you're getting right away. So um, yeah, I definitely want to just emphasize this is redraft only. So you, and you don't have that much time in redraft. You can't wait for them to develop because you need them to perform right away. Cause like I said, you likely spend a a top four round pick on some of these guys. Oh yeah.
1: Yeah. No matter how much you like the prospect it, it's redraft it's different you got to get that production now uh so something that may seem obvious to uh, a lot of people if you've been playing redraft for a while uh but you'd be amazed how many people that actually still don't do it is uh to wait on quarterback uh you know jj zacharyson uh wrote a book about it called the late round quarterback yeah a few years ago and he he's i mean he's a he's a great follow on twitter in general and number fire you know does awesome things but he laid out the statistics and everything behind basically like why you don't want to draft a quarterback early. I mean, number one, uh, if you're in a 12 team league and you only start one quarterback, there is 32 starting quarterbacks every, well, every week and, you know, out, outside of bye week So there's plenty on the waiver wire. You can look for matchups and almost always like looking on the on the waiver wire, going with matchups, playing against the defense. It's almost always the right move. Uh, guys like, Last year, Lamar Jackson was the number one quarterback and where was he drafted? Not early on, you know, he was taken in like, you know, the ninth, 10th, 11th round, you know, maybe even picked up off waivers, uh, same with Patrick Mahomes the year before number one quarterback, most likely was found in waivers around, you know, 11, 12, 13, you know, this is kind of the continuous story, uh. So this year, I've kind of looked up the schedule just got released on Thursday. So I looked at uh, who's kind of facing an early four-week schedule. That's what I like to base things on, on who I'm going to target with quarterback. Uh, So Matt Stafford and Sam Darnold uh, are both facing really easy pass defenses to start the year off. Uh, Stafford, I mean, according to CBS, so, I mean, we don't really know what's going to happen next year. But they, they think that it's the third easiest passing schedule, first four weeks, and Sam Darnold's facing the fifth easiest. So, uh, I mean, Sam Darnold's already primed for a breakout, in my opinion, and, uh, you could get him late because most people just don't understand, uh, you know, how good of a prospect I think he was coming in.
0: Yeah. I might, I might be a little bit lower on Sam Darnold. Mainly it's because of the offense and the, the coach that's there. It's not anything to do with Sam Darnold's talent, but, um, yeah, the late-round quarterback thing, the one thing I want to I warn people of is don't assume that your, your main leagues are industry leagues, though, because industry leagues, like people that are experts and people who p- like play fantasy football for like a living and talk about it for a living, they'll really wait on quarterbacks. Like they'll wait like a long-ass time. If you're in a league, and I'm in a league like this, I'm in a, a league with people from my, uh, my school program, that they don't listen to fantasy football advice. They don't really know what they're doing. So they take quarterback, like they'll take Mahomes in the first round. And they'll like all the court, like all the good quarterbacks will be gone by round five. So in that league, I kind of have to take a quarterback early. I'm not suggesting you do that. Obviously with all these strategies, you want to know your league. If your league is more in the expert kind of uh, realm, people listen to advice, people kind of know what they're doing. Maybe you've been playing in it for a couple of years. Definitely um, don't, fall victim to listening to a strategy and getting it kind of locked into your mind that you have to take a quarterback late or early or whatever the strategy is you definitely want to know what your league mates are thinking and doing Mm
1: -hmm. yeah also paying attention to your league settings i mean points scored Mm -hmm. uh Super super flex all of that stuff if you can trade um yeah really everything
0: yeah okay so i'm gonna get into my second one here And this one is um, kind of a general guideline, not really a strategy. This one is get your RBs early and wait wait if you have to on receivers. And what I mean by this, it kind of goes in line with what Nick said about about quarterbacks, is that there's 32 starting quarterbacks in the league. Well, there's pretty much only like 20 usable fantasy running backs in the league. There's probably two, if not three on, on some teams uh, at receiver. So based on pure numbers, the running back position is less deep than receiver. And like I said, there's a drop off around 20. If you go, if you don't believe me, go to ADP. I think about like around Devin Singletary, Le'Veon Bell areas when you really start seeing it. And then after that, you're kind of just guessing. So uh, what I brought up here is I I looked at last year's ADP and I looked at the running backs who were drafted rounds four to seven and uh, kind of gave them like a, a subjective like hit rate based on what I saw from them last year. And here were the running backs that were drafted. Melvin Gordon, Marlon Mack, Philip Lindsay, Tevin Coleman, Miles Sanders, Duke Johnson, Darius Geist, Darwin Thompson, uh, Latavius Murray, and Austin Eckler. Now, there was a couple, like, good players on there. Like, Austin Eckler was unreal. Uh, Miles Sanders turned it on at the end of the year. But for the most part, those, like, some of those guys, like, Darius Geist, Duke Johnson, Darwin Thompson, like, Latavius Murray, like, they flat out busted. Like, they were not good at all. Um... And in that range at receiver, you could have had Chris Godwin, Tyler Lockett, Robert Woods, Kenny Galladay, Julian Edelman, Mike Williams, Cooper Cup, Tyler Boyd, Josh Gordon. He wasn't very good. Um, but basically how I assessed it was it was about a 30% hit rate at running back as opposed to like an 80% hit rate at receiver. And that's not uh, just a, an anomaly of last year. it's It's been like that for a while. It And another thing that I wanted to take into account is that I find it much easier to identify breakout receivers because – you can see kind of the career arc, the production and uh, running backs. It's a lot more based on opportunity and, and um, uh, coaching and whatnot. So it's a little harder to predict with receivers. Usually the, um, the cream kind of rises to the top. If a guy's really talented, he's eventually going to demand targets. And um, another thing I've seen people um, backlash on about taking receivers early is they, they say, oh, well, they're going to be more consistent. Well, the reality is is that Michael Thomas is really the only consistent receiver in fantasy. Like if you look at uh players who busted less than 20% of the time at the receiver position, the list is only Michael Thomas, while there was probably 6 to 10 running backs that didn't that like busted less than 20% of the time. Um yeah, and for example, as I mentioned, the 4 to 7 round range, uh guys that are going there right now that would be I'd be personally, I would be so happy to have as my wide receiver one, two, and three is guys like Debo Samuel, Devontae Parker, DK Metcalf, AJ Brown, DJ Moore, Robert Woods, like Stephon Diggs, DJ Chark. Like the running backs going in this range, I have a lot more questions than some of those guys do.
1: Oh yeah, totally. And something I'm going to go over with uh, my next really couple is based on relating to running backs. That early tier of running backs, of bell cows and running backs that you can trust is so much more reliable you know, than the, the guy that like a Miles Sanders was last year that you don't know, is he going to start or is he not going to start? How many touches is he going to get? Uh, you, you have to place a huge premium. Uh, while I also like to kind of usually go running backs, like heavy running back first couple of rounds, and then receivers, and then at the end of the draft, I'll get my kind of upside potential running backs uh, hits.
0: Yeah. You definitely want to use it as a tiebreaker too. I don't want to make it sound like you don't like, don't pick a receiver. If it's, if it's a tier break for you, obviously like go with the receiver for me, Tyree is my number one receiver because I like the ceiling. I'm a big ceiling guy with receivers. So I, I, if, if they're the running backs on the board are like Aaron Jones and like guys that I might have some questions about, obviously I'm going to pick Tyree kill. But if it's, if it's close for you, I, my advice is if it's early pick the running back, because it's easier to get depth at receiver. Totally.
1: Uh, So, yeah, I'll I'll wrap that kind of right into uh, tier-based drafting because that's pretty much what we're talking about here. I mean, for me, I I like to break it down rather than rating players just in a basic one, two, three, four, five, six, like, ranking style. I like to do it in tiers. So, first tier, you know, Chris McCaffrey, Saquon Barkley, Kamara, Zeke, they're all really in a tier together, in my opinion. Like, maybe McCaffrey is, you know, a little bit above, but really it's the four of them together as to where – with receivers, you know, Michael Thomas is really probably in a tier of his own, even yeah. though I, I'm, I'm with you. I mean, I, I like ceiling. Uh, I love Tyreek. Uh, I love the potential of DeAndre Hopkins this year. I mean, they're all kind of in a similar tier. So when I'm going to draft, especially this, this applies even more so, if you can trade and move around in your draft, uh, if you can find what areas of the draft you like and what kind of tiers you feel like are the most stacked, you can move back and acquire picks in certain areas of the draft so that you can really hit and get lots of extra players maybe that you would uh, like in that tier, uh, as well as you can use it to pretty much decide between players like you you kind of just brought it up. Say a run on running backs happens, you know, and we're in, there's one running back left in tier three but there's like one wide receiver of mine that I have in tier two and he's sitting there glaring that didn't go up the board. Of course I'm going to go back and I'm going to take that wide receiver there, you know, rather than going with the running back, even if I feel like it's getting short, you know, I always go back to that tier spot basically. So For sure, uh, yeah, that's something I learned from uh, actually the fantasy footballers, yeah. uh, which was kind of one of the first people that I felt like taught me how to do redrafts. So I've kind of stuck with it and I felt like it's helped me a ton kind of to get better basically at moving moving forward and redraft
0: yeah especially with the tiers too you want to base them when you're making tiers or if you're using someone else's uh, um, rankings or tiers you want to do them based on how you would draft not how you think they would finish too because I know some people with rankings they think oh I'm ranking them based on how I think they're going to finish now, I rank I make rankings based on how I'm drafting them so when it says I'm super low on a guy it's because I don't want to draft them so if you have a guy – if you have tiers with four guys that you like and one guy that you don't like, then your tiers are wrong. You should have, like, guys that you like equally kind of in the same tiers.
1: Yeah, yeah, that, that's a good point. So super good to add on because that's, that's how I look at it too. Hmm. You yeah, know, there, there's, there's guys that are on my do-nap draft board that I just throw in a tier below, and basically I'm just never going to end up with them because other people look at them higher. Uh, that Yeah, that's, like, the, one of the best ways to use tier drafts.
0: Yes, for sure. And here's probably my biggest—I—I uh, I toot the horn for this. I never hear anyone talking about this strategy, and I think I personally love this strategy. And this is avoiding kind of mid-round tight ends and waiting on tight end. If you miss on the like the top top guys, so I'm not one who actually like targets the top guys. I'm not like actively being like, oh, if I don't leave George Kittle with this draft uh, with George Kittle in this draft, I'm my team screwed. Like, no, I'll obviously like if I if they fall to me at value or whatever, then I will I will pick them, but. For the most part, I wait on tight end. And the reason, in my opinion, is because I don't see a difference between Hayden Hurst and Hunter Henry. Hunter Henry is probably going to be a fifth, sixth, seventh round pick, and Hayden Hurst is going to go in the 12th round. I I don't think there's much of a difference. And as I mentioned for receivers, I think it's like moderately easy to predict breakout tight ends. I think the opportunity, like snap, share, yards um, per route run, and, and statistics and metrics like that are very predictive when it comes to tight ends. And uh, late round tight ends are league winners. Uh, if you don't believe me, I, I, I tweeted out. If you're not following me on Twitter, it's at FootballStock. Make sure you're following Nick as well. I'll have that um, linked on the, uh, on the borders of this video. Um, I, I tweeted out a stat that said in 2018, there was um, two, uh, three tight ends that had an above 50% share of playoff rosters. And they were George Kittle, Eric Ebron, and Jared Cook. They were uh, 59, 57, and 50% um, on all playoff rosters, respectively. And the thing that these guys all had in common is that they were late round tight ends. George Kittle might be a, a early pick now, but in 2018 or going into the 2018 season, he was not. So um, and identifying breakout tight ends could be the difference between a fantasy championship and, and being behind because that really gives you a huge advantage because if you picked that guy late, it's very likely that you are stacked at other positions because you would have uh, used your, um, your uh, early picks on running backs and receivers and maybe quarterbacks as well. And last year I tweeted it out as well. Uh, Mark Andrews was on 59% of rosters and Dar- uh, Darren Waller was on 63% of wa- uh, rosters. So, I mean, it, like, every year there's guys like this. And I, I, almost, I almost make it a habit, to be honest, too, that of not drafting them the following year because I feel like I'm drafting them at their ceiling. Uh, like, like, I probably won't own much of Darren Waller or Mark Andrews this year, but Mark Andrews, I think, has kind of jumped into a, t- uh, a bit of a, that elite tier. But – um. Yeah, like, there's guys this year, I'll I'll give you a few names. Hayden Hurst, Mike Gusecki, TJ Hawkinson, Tyler Higby, Jonu Smith. There's, like, Noah Fant. There's a couple other guys this year that I feel like could make that jump and be, I don't know, either league winners or they could be just very solid options for you. Because Jared Cook in 2018 wasn't exactly a league winner, but he was a very solid option that year in Oakland where they had no targets there.
1: Yeah, I mean i'm i'm with you 100 percent on this strategy if you kind of look at also starting positions it's similar to the quarterback like you said that you you only have to start one unless you've got a specific two tight end league and anytime you only need to start one uh, you, you always really can wait on it and not prioritize it as high also it is a really volatile position a lot of the times i mean there's those top guys like kelsey's been consistent gronk used to be consistent Uh, But for the most part, it's usually new guys that are shooting up into the top tier. And then the next year, they fall on their face and uh, they don't do well. Uh, So while everyone else is trying to get a tight end early, you can wait. And uh, another person to even add to your list, Ian Thomas on the Panthers. He's one of my favorite late time. I mean, like without Greg Olson and Teddy Bridgewater throwing there, I think he's going to check down a lot. It's uh, late tight end, I think is always the move.
0: Yeah. And one thing I want to point out about this strategy too, I'm not saying not to draft I, I draft multiple tight ends every year and people mm-hmm. look like people might think like they might hear other fantasy analysts say like, you shouldn't draft multiple tight ends to me. I think it's a perfect strategy because last year, for example, I I owned George Kittle or sorry, not George Kittle, Mark Andrews, Darren Waller and Austin Hooper. Those were like my three big targets and I owned a lot of shares in those guys. And that worked out pretty well for me because those guys, like two of those guys jumped into like the elite tier last year and were league winning players. So if you're able to identify guys like that, that are able to jump tiers, like based on their performance and you'll know pretty early, you'll be able to like, like I might draft three tight ends and I might drop one of them after week one. And I might trade the other because he had a good week one. And last year, that's what I did. I dropped, uh, I believe it was, um, I dropped someone in our, in my, in my home league that, uh, didn't end up breaking out week one. I think it was, I don't even remember actually, but, um, I, I, I kept Hooper for the year, and I traded Waller, which in hindsight probably wasn't the greatest idea because Wall, uh, Hooper ended up getting hurt. But either way, it's, it, it's a great strategy if you can, if you can execute it. And, and like I said, I think it's moderately easy to do this. I think it's pretty easy to predict who the breakout tight ends were. A lot of, like, these weren't guys that came out of nowhere. People were on Darren Waller. People were on Mark Andrews. People Like, there's going to be people on um, guys like this this year, Gusecki, Hurst, Hawkinson. Like, a lot of people are going to be on these guys. And if you draft two or three of them, it just increases your chances of getting like a, a bell cow tight end that you can just plug into your lineup and don't even have to worry about it.
1: Totally. Yeah. I got Waller off, t- off waivers last year and I wrote mean, yeah. I, I him all the way to the end. So uh, yeah. So uh, yeah, my last one I'm going to go over is something I like to do at the end of the draft. So kind of, if, if we're talking a 15 round draft here, you know, if I start running back and I get a couple bell cows, that I'm getting some receivers, you know, maybe it's going a little weird because drafts just do what they do and you kind of got to follow it. But something I've actually started to do as of last year, and I really liked how it worked out, is I legitimately don't draft a quarterback in the draft at all. I just, I left the draft with, you know, if I draft a quarterback, it's round 15. But what I did last year was I didn't draft quarterbacks and then I just picked one up off the waiver wire before basically just looking at schedule because I wanted to load up on running backs, you know, late running backs that in the preseason, like most of my leagues, we draft uh, like two weeks before the season starts. So, you know, after, you know, maybe week two of the preseason. So I'll get guys like, like this year, I'm going to be targeting, you know, Tony Pollard, Chase Edmonds, Alexander Madison, guys that are behind real bell cows, that if they go down in the preseason, which, I mean, who knows if we even have a preseason or how this year looks. Yeah. But, I mean, if we're just talking normal year, that's what I did last year. And, I mean, nothing hit other than, I mean, the Melvin Gordon holdout kind of started to take place. So I had Eckler on a lot of rosters. But he had started to creep up kind of by the time that I was drafting with Redraft. But I, I, that's something I continue to do every year. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think going in, like I said, I mean, I had a quarterback – uh you can get Stafford typically. Like last year I got Stafford off waivers and I, I like Matt Stafford. You know, if I'm going into him against if he has an easy pass defense, he can at least get me enough points to where it was a good like the roster spot I think is used better with the potential of I mean, Chase Edmonds, if Kenyon Drake goes down, I've um, got I have the all the
0: Chase Edmonds shares in Dynasty.
1: Exactly. Me too. I have them all in dynasty and in redraft. Like, I, if, if if Kenny Drake goes down, I've got a potential league winner, you know, in round thirteen. Where like instead of holding on to that quarterback, that I can get a guy almost just as good or just as good off the waiver wire.
0: Yeah, for sure. Especially with those um with those running backs too. Guys like Chase Edmonds is exactly the type of running back you want to target as well because he's kind of like a dual. He's not a dual handcuff, but he has he's a handcuff with standalone value because I like, we saw how many plays that the Arizona Cardinals ran last year. Kenyon Drake is going to be in for all of them. Like chase Edmonds is going to have a role. And I think it could be similar to what Austin Eckler used to be. Um, when Melvin Gordon was kind of like a bell cow, but Austin Eckler was still like usable. If you need, you had like a deep league with like flexes and whatnot. um, yeah, I definitely love that strategy. Again, I, I want to say like know your league. If your league, if everyone rosters like two quarterbacks, you probably can't do that. But if you're in a league where people kind of understand the late round quarterback and maybe fifteen, sixteen, seventeen quarterbacks are owned, um, then you can easily pull off that strategy. You'll have like a bevy of streamers every single week that you can use. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And I a hundred percent having someone that's potentially usable, even if someone doesn't get injured, is extremely important. And that's why Tony Pollard, Alexander Madison, those are uh, like perfect choices for me as well they can be a bell cow but I mean they're gonna get some kind of work
0: yeah if if, if it's a bye week if all else fails you need to plug someone in or even if uh, even if the starter's limited sometimes like players don't practice like all week or whatever and they go and they sit uh, play in the game and they're on a limited snap count or if they're coming off an injury usually like there's usually four to five like weeks every year where guys like Tony Pollard Alexander Madison guys like this you can actually predict when to use them. It's either in like really good matchups or if the starters kind of limited or maybe they're out for a game or suspended or whatever. Um, so yeah, I definitely, um, that's gonna, that's gonna wrap us up, right? Yep. Yeah. Yep. So all, man. yeah, we're going to get out of here. Um, make sure you are following Nick on Twitter. I know, uh, he's new to the channel, so, uh, he should gain a lot of followers from this. And if he doesn't, uh, I'm going to find you guys because he, he's definitely a great follow. He's always engaging with, uh, people on twitter i definitely enjoy following him as well and um uh this you're gonna see a new schedule on here we've kind of divvied up the workload amongst us uh here at the fantasy stock exchange we've all kind of um we're kind of settling into our niches i'm a redraft guy uh through and through i love dynasty but i this is my home i i always think of things short term i maybe you guys like that i'm not on dynasty shows anymore because (laughs) i um I'm always talking about next year and people are like, this is fucking dynasty. What the hell is this guy talking about? (laughs) Um, Yeah. So uh, make sure you guys are uh, following along with everything you're doing. Join the discord. We're um, always engaging with you guys in there and there's people willing to start leagues and stuff. If you're, if you're new to fantasy football, maybe this is the first time you've uh, played fantasy football this coming year. So uh, definitely you'll get into a league with people that uh, are really into it. And the more competitive your league is, the better it's going to be for everyone. Uh, No one's going to be forgetting to set their lineups and whatnot because that just ruins it for everyone. So uh, yeah, without further ado, we're going to sign off here. Um, Everyone enjoy your Monday and uh, have a great day. See you later.
1: Cool. Later guys.